I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate Welcome and welcome and welcome in episode 166 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me over on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates or you can drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. Many ways to get in touch, get involved, let me know what you love, what you hate and what you want to hear more of on this show. We are marching on with the hashtag usual prospects here. Uh, I am joined once again by the, you know, the analytical whiz, shall we say, the the guru of of analysis when it comes to statistical uh, insights. Peter Howard himself, the Sultan of Spreadsheets, as I call him, at Paul Howdy over on Twitter. He is a senior writer for DLF, Dynasty League Football, as well as host of the Dynasty Crossroads podcast and all around good dude. We are talking um, same as this series. If you are new to the series, what we're doing is we're just going two prospects at a time. So a little bit shorter episodes than usual. Um, at the moment, we're going three episodes a week. So Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. And we're just talking about two guys at a time that you know are on the radar that either we're really high on maybe we're not so high on we're trying to give you a little bit of insight and analysis uh, both from a film as well as an analytics perspective what we like what we don't like what our concerns are how high we would draft them so just give you some real good food for thought about each of these players rather than do big episodes with like 50 players and then you kind of can't remember anything we said just doing two at a time hopefully you're enjoying that and like I said Peter's back he is bringing the analytics goodness. I am bringing some film talk, and we're going to have fun. Let's do it. Something is wrong with you. I got a fever. Adam himself could not resist the temptation of rookie fever. Next guy up is Zach Charbonnet. So he is, I call him Charbonnet Sauvignon. Um, I believe Peter calls him Zach Wine. And we are talking about a guy who is a senior. So, you know, not the early declare that we would have wanted. Maybe he comes out of UCLA, 21 years old. He was a former four-star recruit, six foot one, 220 pounds. So again, really nice, solid size uh, for the running back position. He is one of the bigger names in the class. So he's not like this weird, wonderful, random dude that I found. He is one of the sort of top three or four kind of backs in the class. So I'm sure you've probably heard the name. You're probably even maybe familiar with him. Uh, he did lead the nation in all-purpose yards per game in 2022 and topped the Pac-12 in rushing yards per game. So he certainly had a good season. Um, he transferred from Michigan after his sophomore year. So he was in Michigan, freshman, sophomore year. Then he transfers to UCLA. He had a really nice junior year and I thought he was going to come out last year. So I actually did his film study last year and I really liked him a lot. Then it was weird because he goes back to school 
and honestly still has a really good season. Uh, for example, just comparing the two, you know, in uh, his junior year, he plays 12 games. Last year, he plays 10. Junior year, he has 203 rush attempts. Senior year has 195. So really similar workloads. Um, you know, even the, the fact that he plays two less games still has about the same amount of um, of carries. Breaks 1,000 yards both seasons. This last year, he had 1,359 yards. So he's averaging seven yards a carry, which, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have me tell you that's pretty pretty dang good. Um, he had 14 rushing touchdowns. He did chip in with 37 receptions. So that's awesome. We love to see that. Like I said, honestly, receptions, such a great thing to see. Because again, we're talking about fantasy football here. We're not just talking about NFL football. And if a guy can be an all-around back, if he has even a chance at being a bell cow, that's awesome. There's not many bell cows left. They're a dying breed, but hey, if we can get one, we'll certainly take it. And uh, the weird thing is, like I said, the weird thing is I really loved him last year. I really, really liked him. And I was really excited about him. Then he you know, said he's going back to school. I was bummed out. Went back and looked at his 2022 tape. And I was a little bit less excited about him this year than I was last year. And I don't, it's weird because I know there's a couple other people. I kind of put that thought out on Twitter. A couple of people really disagreed with me. And that's okay. I could very well be wrong. I believe Zach Reed even dis disagreed with me, you know, a friend of Peter's and, and said, look, you know, I actually think there's some things he did better this year that I like. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's interesting to hear different people's perspectives. I mean, what I will say is he does have, like I said, great size and build for a running back. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I still really like him. I just didn't like him as much as I did last year. Uh, he's able to catch. He has solid hands, which is great. He has decent patience and vision. Um, he doesn't feel to me personally as bouncy and tenacious as he did in 21. I like that in running back, not necessarily the whole like inviting contact, kind of like what we talked about earlier. I don't want to see him like running into the wall just for the sake of it, but I love Javonta Williams coming out. And I think that's why he ran violently. He was like breaking tackles and carrying people with him for an extra five yards, things like that. I felt like I saw more of that in 2021 than in 2022 with Zach. He's not very light on his feet. Like I will say that he's not very like not a lot of lateral agility to him. Um, he does have a nice, he has a nice combo of looking for lanes, but not afraid to lower his shoulder. So I guess what I mean by that is there's certain running backs in the class that feels like they look for the contact or their, their, their kind of primary mode is to like run people over. I don't think that's him, which is good. I like that. Uh, kind of going back to our talk earlier, Peter, about, you know, these running backs that invite contact and kind of go out of their way for it. It's probably a bad thing actually in the long term for him. I don't think he does. I think he does look for running lanes. He's looking for that, you know, the, 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 the open way of getting some extra yardage. But at the same time, when push comes to shove, he's not afraid to lower his shoulder, which is a good, I think a good, um, a good quality to have, especially in a back his size. He doesn't create a ton on his own. I don't feel. Um, and, and I think for me, and he does use it, but on, on the positive, he does use his supporting cast really well. So I think he does have really good vision. I think he lines up his blockers. I think he has patience with his blockers. He's able to kind of look forward and manipulate defenders based on where the, you know, maybe the wide receivers blocking for him in the second level, things like that. I think that's really, really positive. What I would say the my one of my areas of concern is actually funny enough, the offensive line. So I think people don't think about and talk about enough the offensive line and how it relates to the running back position, you know, especially in college when you're trying to project to the NFL. There's a lot of guys that are in, you know, really bad situations with horrible offensive lines, and that's not their fault. And if they can do anything with an offensive line as bad as some of them are working with, that's actually impressive. But he's actually on the flip side of that. 
UCLA had like a top 10 offensive line in almost every major category you can think of in 2022. Like they were fantastic. They had several dudes that were just like near the top of PFF's grades for like whatever position, whether guard, tackle, things like that. Um, And I do wonder how much of his awesome production this year was down to him and how much of it was down to having an awesome offensive line. Now, if he gets drafted to like the Eagles, we don't need to worry about it. They've got an office, awesome offensive line and they know how to run the ball. But you know, if he gets drafted somewhere with a crap offensive line and all of a sudden he's expected to kind of produce a lot more of it on his own, are we going to be disappointed? Um, but at the end of the day, he has the the build and the chops to be a three down back. So that's still really, really good. I still really like him. I'm probably more so personally more like later in the first round, whereas I think some people are pushing him up and up and up, getting into like the 104, 105, 106 conversation with him. That feels a little bit rich in, to, to my blood. Um, I get a little bit nervous about that. Um, but Peter, what are your thoughts on Zach Charbonnet, Charbonnet Sauvignon, Zach Wine, as you call? Yeah, it's just because I can't say the other ones, to be fair. So Zach Wine, um, you're weird. You're you're weird, weird little foreign man. I don't know why you don't like his last year. Um, I liked his last year better to the point that as far as I have grades using my model on his last year, he actually scored an elite level um, in 2022. In 2021, he was pretty decent, a pretty decent prospect. And to put that in perspective, we were just talking about how efficiency is harder to maintain on a larger sample size. In 2021, he had 18.8 touches per game or opportunities per game. Use my own stats for a change, and and was getting a hundred and twelve point six elusiveness rating per PFF and a three point five yards after contact per attempt, and which does try to adjust for that offensive line situation because it's after you've been contacted, but it's clearly not perfect because you can be contacted in a variety of different ways. How are they even counting that? But in twenty twenty two. Right? That's how years work. And um, he got more touches per game, 23.2 or something like that. So he's touching the game more, ball more per game, even if you play fewer games. It's well above the game threshold. So I'm happy using it. And his metrics actually went up. And again, to your point, it could be largely because of the offensive line, but he actually overall performed better in that last season with 122 elusiveness rating and a 4.1 elite level yards after contact per attempt. And again, that last year, getting that 13% target share, as you said. Um, is definitely positive. Um, what I also find interesting about his receiving is it had like a 17% targets per route run. And I hate throwing all the acronyms. Nerds have way too many of them. It's just how often he was getting targeted when he ran a route, essentially. Um, and that to me indicates that they were using him specifically, not just getting dump offs, I believe the phrase is. Um, and the NFL is going to see that too, hopefully on tape. Uh, and if they draft him, they probably have an expectation of using him as a three down draft back. Now, to your point, your other point, yeah, he's not a top five pick. There are four very clear picks here outside the quarterback position who are in the top four, and I just think they're locked in right now, where I do like Zach Wine. Um, he's he's a mid to late first round pick, draft dependent as always, but I think he was really solid these last two years. He did elevate, or not elevate, segued, I guess, from the Big Ten to the Pac-12 for those last two years, not getting much run for the first two years in the Big Ten in Michigan. So ultimately, I can't say much about those. He wasn't used hardly at all. Um, but these last two years were really positive, I think. Um, and yeah, definitely touched him in. I think I have my second tier of running back outside those first two. Um, definitely the best running back, at least prospect, profile, whatever, 
um, before the draft that you've got on your list for us to talk about here today. He actually has similar yards per contact after attempt, whatever. Uh, that number I said, as Robinson and some of the other, one of the others that we're not talking about today, great prospects, slightly lower in elusiveness rating if you just compare his good numbers to their good numbers. But those, again, those 2.4 targets per game, um, really solid three down profile that I, I like quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I mean, I think that maybe what I'm saying is not coming across well. I still really like him. I think I just liked him a lot more the last year. So I think I was really high on him in 21 for some reason when I when I looked at him. And then this year I was like, oh, okay, I like him. I just didn't like him as much as I thought I did. So um, yeah, I, I agree with you though in that for me, looking at my grades right now, like my final grades will be like sort of I'll release those like the week before the NFL draft because I still look at things, you know, combine and I'll just look at other things and finalize them. But yeah, exactly what you said, I, I kind of agree with you. And that's what I love about this process is when there's prospects that like me as more of a film perspective, you as an analytics, and we kind of are coming to the same conclusion, same ballpark, that makes me feel a lot more confident. You know, I love to hear that because for me, exactly, I'm sort of a later first round grade on him. Like I would be happy. Yeah. If if everything goes as we plan and he gets second or third round draft capital, um, you know, then yeah, I'm happy, you know, taking him at the, you know, one nine, one ten, one eleven, anywhere in there. I, I'm fine with that you know, because he is, you know, got a good build. He has good production. And it was really encouraging to see the the receiving go up this year because again, that's what we need. That's what we want to have like a big year in fantasy. So exactly, exactly that. I think, you know, to be fair, he probably deserves. He is a dog. He is. He is a dog. I appreciate that. I respect, respect his work. Charbonnet Sauvignon, absolutely classy dude. We're going to move on here um, because I think everyone knows he's pretty good. We agree. We agree. I'm a little bit lower on him than some people. I'm not going to be taking him at the 103, 104, but I do like him. We're going to talk about somebody. Uh, again, I'm excited to hear about you know your take on this because most of these guys outside of Zach, uh, mostly, most of these guys I've kind of picked because I thought, Hey, there's something weird and wonderful about their profile that I know maybe how I think about it, how I view it, maybe how I process it, but I really value Peter's opinion and perspective. And so I'm really curious to hear, you know, what, what he has to say about them. And for me, Kendra Miller is a great example of that. So Kendra Miller, you know, he played for TCU. Obviously they had a great year and everything. He's 20 year old junior. So an early declare three, former three-star recruit, um, six foot tall. So nice height. He 208 pounds is what he's listed as. So he does cross that sort of mythical 200 pound threshold that, you know, we like to see. Well, I like to see Peter may disagree. He likes to, he likes to do that. Um, but you know, his, his 1000. So this last year, so the, the weird and wonderful thing about Kendra Miller is that he's kind of a one hit wonder as in he really broke out properly this last year as a junior. So this last year, he smashed it. His 1,399 yards was the most by a horned frog, which is, <laughs> that's TCU's name. I love that. I had to throw that in there. I just think they should go by the horny toads. I don't know. It's just me. Um, but anyways, the horned frog since Ladinian Tomlinson, who obviously we all know and love, led the nation with 2,158 in the year 2000. So it was a pretty big year for him, a big year for the school history, things like that. He rushed for 2,508 yards and 34 
touchdowns while playing quarterback his senior year of high school. So he's another kind of quarterback hybrid guy who's kind of morphed into running back, similar to Roshan. Uh, obviously different than Roshan, he did actually take over this year. He has a year of production under his belt where he was the dude. Um, this last year, 224 rush attempts, as we mentioned, 1399 yards, so 6.2 yards per carry and 17 touchdowns, which is awesome. A little bit concerning, I suppose, would be 16 receptions, so not a lot. It is good to see that he got some receptions, but he certainly wasn't like prolific at pass catching. 116 yards as well, 7.3 yards per reception, so uh, not as much there. Probably more dump-offs and sort of screens and things like that rather than him actually outrunning routes and such. Um, you know, for me, again, just some of my notes from watching him, he has a big sort of stocky, strong sort of looking build. So I like that. He doesn't look frail or thin. Uh, he does a bit of everything, which is pretty nice. He's, he does in, you know, he does, he runs inside between the tackles. He can brush, you know, he can, he can pop outside. Um, he can catch the ball. So it's not like he's just a one trick pony. So some of these other guys, you know, in this class, you're sort of like, oh, I really like what he does between the tackles, but he doesn't catch the ball or he doesn't do this or he doesn't. And whereas I feel like he can kind of do everything, which is nice. Um, he, he is quite good at the goal line, which I know a lot of people are, are don't believe, but I think it is a skill. I see some of these guys and I'm like, man, they just get stuffed at the goal line all the time. Um, I feel like there's just backs that have a nose for the end zone. They know how to get low with their pad level. They know how to just have that right level between patience and, and, and actual power. So I think he's really good at the goal line, you know, and obviously you can't count on touchdowns, but certainly helpful when you get 15 or 20 touchdowns. If he ever did that in the NFL, that would help his fantasy stock. Uh, like I said, he's sort of a Swiss army knife. He does a bit of everything, but again, sort of similar to Roshan, which might be an interesting sort of byproduct of him being a late sort of what's the word switch from quarterback to running back i feel like he's a swiss army knife he does a little bit of everything but he doesn't do any one thing exceptionally well i don't think um he is willing to stick his nose in for pass protection he didn't do a lot of it though so i see i see flashes of him being willing to do it but he didn't do much of it and he wasn't great at it when i when i did see him do it um but again if he's willing to do it i feel like that's something that can be coached something that can be taught and uh, if he's willing that's one of the most important parts he has solid short area burst to get out of to get outside of his running lanes so that is nice to see as well he's like i said he's not just a grinder between the tackles can't do anything else um he has a nice use of angles and leverage getting to the second level and utilizing blockers did have a little bit of concern over ball control which again is important you're coming in as a rookie if he's not great at pass protection and then he's like fumbling a couple times when he gets on the field depending on what coach he goes to you know that could really get him in the doghouse early so it's definitely interesting. I'm definitely intrigued by his skill set. I definitely think there's meat on the bones there. There's there's room for him to continue to grow and develop. I think reading between the tea, you know, reading the tea leaves, it looks like he had such a big year, a breakout year that he sort of was like, well, why would I risk going back? You know, and I don't know if I can live up to this again next year um, and have just as big or a bigger year in my senior year. Might as well go out now, um, you know, and hopefully get as uh, the best shot at decent, decent draft capital and decent chance in the NFL as possible. So, I mean, those are sort of some of my initial vibes and takes on Kendrick Miller, but what are your thoughts when you're looking at his profile and his analytic and the analytics side of it, Peter, do you have anything that jumps out to you for Con Kendrick Miller? Yeah, I tell you, this is someone I was probably going to have to skip. I haven't looked at him a lot. Um, it's actually an ID error in my data right now. I'm trying to fix. Um, 
What I would say uh, is, one, I don't think he was enough of a receiver to say he has that three-down skill set definitely in his bag or the NFL is going to see and therefore expect to use him. Like, he never crossed 20 receptions, for example, just as a basic line. Um, And also, he is somewhat unique in this class. Like, most of the best prospects, apart from the top two, played multiple years. Like, we were just talking about... Zach Charbonnet uh, or Zach Wine, who played four years, whereas three is typically the average. We often talk about early declare with running backs, but not doing that when you don't have an excuse like Saquon Barkley or on the roster outside of him is slightly unusual. And uh, I have some questions. I'm not sure I, how much I like him at all yet, but um, I, I definitely don't love the profile, even if he is coming out after only three years. It's about all I got right now. <laughs> no, that's that's absolutely fair. Like, you know, that's absolutely fair. And that's, that's like I said, I just wanted to get your sort of thoughts on sort of the, the situation more than anything, because, you know, for me, like I said, it was nice that he got at least a couple receptions, but I absolutely agree with you. I don't see him as like this. He's certainly not like, oh man, he's such a great pass catching back or he's really out there running some great routes. It's like, yes, when he needs to be, he can be a, a safety valve for a dump off or something. But is that enough for us to be really excited for fantasy? I, again, I, you do see some nice things. You see some nice flashes and stuff like that. But for me, um, you know, he's certainly not somebody that I'm like, oh man, this guy is a smash, you know, first round draft you know, draft for your rookie drafts. Honestly, at the moment, I'm still going through all the the figures and the ranks and stuff like that. But as far as an actual, like where I would draft him, not knowing the landing spot and draft capital and all that sort of stuff, I, I would have him sort of in that tier where I'm looking at him somewhere in the mid to late second round, probably. Um, that's assuming that he gets decent draft capital. And again, this is in a, I'm just, saying this is a one QB league. So forget all the quarterbacks and everything like that. So if we're just looking at like a one QB league, probably in like the later second round, mid to late second round, I might be happy taking him if he is getting like third round draft capital in the NFL, because I do think, you know, he obviously flashed something. He, he is kind of multifaceted. He is still learning the role. Um, you know, so if those things kind of all aligned, I would be happy to take a, a, a shot on him, but there's certainly other backs that I like a lot more than him in this class. And there's backs even in his own like tier that I would be more excited about because of their pass catching and because of their, you know, sort of speed and things like that. So I think that's where I'm at with uh, Kendra Miller is certainly a, it's going to be really interesting to see how he how he goes in this draft process, how much he can rely on TCU's sort of run. You do, you do see that a lot, I think, with the NFL. When a team does really, really well, they do sort of get a boost on their draft stock because everyone's excited by how well they did that, that year in college and stuff like that. Well, there you have it. Two more intriguing prospects to have a think about, see what you think about them, and now you know a little bit about what we think about them. Hopefully, you're enjoying the process. You're enjoying the usual prospects. If you're enjoying the show, please make sure you subscribe. And if you have a spare 30 to 45 seconds in your super busy lives, leave a rating and review. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, uh, if you leave a rating review, especially Apple Podcasts, if you have access to it, it really helps the show. I really appreciate it. And definitely link in um, if you have any questions about any of these prospects or the draft process in general. Let us know. Let me know. And we'll try and cover it as well in a future episode. We'll be back in a couple of days here with our last two prospects with Peter before we move on again. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. 
My fist wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those Arby's You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those Arby's on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate